On today's show, it's our preview of Darius Garland and what's ahead for the fifth year of Darius Garland's NBA career. We'll talk about that on today's Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. I'm Chris Manning. I cover the Cavs and NBA for places like SB Nation for the Sword and the Just Basketball Show. That man is Evan Damerel, the founder, the proprietor, the, the guy with the hat uh, with the logo on it of Right Down Euclid. And thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production all right coming up today a Darius Garland season preview segment one our big Darius Garland question segment two we're going to run through three Darius Garland stats I'm going to present and we're going to discuss what I think they need and then segment three best case worst case scenario for Garland's fifth NBA season Evan I actually want to hit on that really quick Mm-hmm. I kind of can't believe that it's this is year five of Darius Garland the, the time <clears throat> is just going by man it's going by I know. I was 25 turning 26 when he was drafted, and I questioned the decision at the time because I'm like, well, Colin Sexton's on the roster, and Garland's only played like five games at Vanderbilt, but then I got Garland pilled, and then everyone hated me online because they tried to divide these two, but whatever. Um, Yeah, it's weird to think it's been five years, but... It's kind of a big year for Garland uh, heading into this season for the Cavaliers just because, like, Obviously, they believe in him enough to give him franchise guard money. Um, but I, I really do think, and I'm curious to see how does he handle maybe the weight of expectations, both internally and externally, because he's the point guard. He's the guy who has to run like pretty much the entire show on offense. And I, I wonder how he responds to that pressure this year. I had hair when Darius Carlin was drafted, <laughs> so that was that was cool. Um <clears throat> I'm now old. All right. Uh, big question for me, Evan, is mm. how does his offense go forward this year? I look. He's he's a six foot one guard. His defense is gonna be what it is. Like he just is what he is. Then, and I think he can be smarter and positionally better at times. Sure, but like he's never gonna be an all defense guy. This will lead into the stats. I I kind of built my thoughts today all around Darius's scoring and his offense. But how does mm. his offense go forward? Does it is it a scoring boost? Does he get even better as a passer? Does his shot profile change? To me, that that is the Darius Garland leap waiting to happen. I I think if his apex is going to be a better scorer than he's been, a more three point heavy player than he's been, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to seeing if that happens this year. I think we've seen <clears throat> sprinkles of it in the preseason. Mm-hmm. but does it bear out in the regular season? Yeah, to your point, um, does he rely on his three-point shot a little bit more because the Cavs do have much more spacing? And also, does how does that unlock his passing, playmaking, vision, and things like that, too? Like, I think those are the two kind of building blocks of where he can level up again offensively and 
just be the franchise guard for Cleveland who, and this leads into my big question is, can he, or is he comfortable enough being like a number one option for this Cavs team? Because I know Donovan Mitchell's the offensive motor. He can get you a buck whenever you want, but Garland's playmaking and passing is just such a, such a paramount thing to what the Cavs do, especially because they play big and they're, they are at least Mobley and Allen are semi-dependent on having a guard set them up properly. And sure, Mitchell can do it in bursts. I think the Cavs are at the play point guard by committee with Ricky Rubio, um, off the, completely shut down from basketball. So what can Garland do to unlock his game to be like that alpha on the team? And to your point, like, it's a balancing act because it's something curious because he said it last year. He's like, it can be hard sometimes because you have to pick and choose your moments of when do I want to be super aggressive on offense or when do I want to pull the reins back and just run sets and things like that. And like he he seems to be an advocate of like, let's just get out and run. Let's just move the ball. Let's shoot up. Let's get us some threes. He likes to get his teammates involved. I think Garland can sometimes be a little unselfish to a fault. Um, but how does he kind of figure out that happy space between being a little selfish and ripping more threes because there's going to be more limited possession because he's the playmaker and you have Mitchell, Mobley, Alan Struess, uh, Niang and others on the roster too that definitely need some shots to eat off of. And uh, I'm curious to see like, how does he find that balancing act and can he emerge as like the number one option for the Cavs? Because I think, and this is no discredit to what Donovan Mitchell can do, I think the Cavs go farther if Darius Garland is your number one option on offense just because of how important he is in just so many different ways. We just did the Cavs review on Just Basketball, and Brendan Clean, my co-host over there, asked me this question. He's like, isn't there a future where Darius Garland is a better offensive player than Donovan Mitchell? Like, isn't that like part of isn't is that in Garland's ceiling? And here's what I would say to that. Right now, in in 2023-2024, this season, as this partnership exists. Darius Garland's already like a significantly better creator for others than Donovan Mitchell is. I yeah. think in the playoffs, it felt like the Cavs got unstuck more often than not when Garland was flowing and cooking and being a better version of himself because it empowers everybody else. Yeah. He is someone who fuels, I think, overall team success in a different way than Mitchell does. Not saying it's necessarily, I don't want to describe better or worse or whatever. But Garland is a guy who I think brings out the best in everyone around him in kind of an old school point guardy way. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think of like Nikias Duncan comparing Garland to like Steve Nash in a vein where like he's like the modern version of Steve Nash where like he is just so heliocentric to the offensive success in terms of just his passing. And I think that's just something we kind of underrated, maybe underappreciated at times because he makes the routine seem so normal. Like a pick and roll Darius Garland is a bread and butter play for the Cavs, like whether it's with Allen and then we saw Mobley last season that emerged quite a bit, like there's layers there. And then now with this new motion based offense, how does Garland work as an off ball shooter? Um, a guy setting, is he comfortable physically setting those screens to get guys like Max Struess or even Donovan Mitchell open just in a theoretical starting five, or does he like act as that guy who gives the extra pass, even if he's wide open and get an even cleaner look? Because like you said, the, uh, he, is he does things for this team offensively because he is just the maestro out there and he unlocks so many different things for different so for his different teammates that i i to to answer brendan's question like that i think that's certainly realistic like that darius garland does supersede donovan mitchell at some point in their careers just because of age and things like that but 
I think there's a prime opportunity for the Cavs to kind of just empower Garland a little bit and just say like, hey, like everyone says it publicly, like this is his team. And Garland will say, no, it's not. It's it's Don's, it's Evans, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but there's a way that the Cavs can really like empower Garland and just like say like, hey, the ball is in your hands. We have set offensive sets. We want you to cook and just be the maestro who can pick and choose between shooting or passing and just, you know, doing the little things off ball as well. I think just the the little wrinkles we've seen in the preseason of him moving off ball and getting kind of led into shots to me is really interesting. I think it's really fascinating to consider that like they might see this future a little bit where like Garland you need to emphasize Garland in the way and coax some things out of him and I you know I know I think there's certain things he was probably working on right like I think there's just a world where like Garland's growth this season is just we're like oh we think of him differently as a scorer and it doesn't like diminish Mitchell but it like empowers Mitchell if that makes sense like I think that's mm-hmm. kind of where the design of everything is is going yeah that's an interesting thought process and I wonder who has an easier time adjusting to it because those two between Garland and Mitchell had a pretty instantaneous like fit with one another on the floor like the concern you and I had leading the last season was kind of mitigating maybe like 10-15 games into the year especially when Garland came back for that eye injury we were like okay these two can coexist with one another on the floor like they can find ways to pick and choose their shots and maybe it's your turn my turn sometimes but I am curious to see like is Mitchell comfortable in that kind of role where like it's Garland's show now and like he has to play more off ball and I think he has the capability to do so it's just that might be some of the ironing out process that the Cavs kind of have to go through for the better part of the beginning of the season, whether it's 20, 25, or even 30 games. Going to be a fascinating year for that partnership and how it evolves. I, I, There's so much that you have to balance there and, and yeah, what makes both I, them good, but it, it's going to be fun. Uh, coming up next, though, Darius, let's talk more about Darius Garland's thought you're going to talk and then I, i'm just going to ad lib this coming up next though uh darius garland shots good stats we're going to talk a lot about his shots and what he has been as a scorer what the profile has been and also just how he stacks up against other elite point guards in terms of this one catch-all stat from dunks and threes um kind of interesting i don't know what exactly if you want to take it as gospel but at least should tell you how good the numbers rate Darius Garland. He is really good. All right, that's coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the best way to buy last-minute tickets to your favorite events, concerts, sports, whatever it is you can get at last minute at Game Time. I've used Game Time before, and I've used it last minute planning on it because the advertising works i was in new york in august i wanted to go to liberty aces which up until the <laughs> liberty sold like seventy thousand tickets for this playoff game on sunday and joan jett was courtside which is rad this was like a hard to get ticket because it was just completely close to sold out and i got last minute tickets i got a great price i saved me and my friends that i went with some money and i did it because of game time all in prices show your total run so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use our code locked in nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code l-o-c-k-e-d 
O-N-M-B-A. It's also in our description below for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. That's guaranteed. All right, some stats here that will tell you a little bit more nuance about Darius Garland. All right, number one, from cleaning the glass. 33% of Darius Garland shots last year, Evan, were three-pointers. And right now, if you were to tell me over or under on that figure, based on what we've seen in the preseason, I'm smashing the over on that. Yeah, I, I think I would too. Like, that's... Again, we'll figure out like the phases and the, uh, the the kinks of how this new offense is of identity. But like with how many shots Garland put up, at least in their second preseason game against the Orlando Magic, you're like, okay, yeah, he could change his shot diet quite a bit and become a little bit more three point heavy and really show off like why he has or is considered one of the better shooting point guards in the NBA and like. How hard, how how high would you smash over though? Like, would you like say like, give me a firm percentage you think he could hit at as in, in terms of a clip? Forty percent of the shots from three. Like, I, I'm not gonna say he's gonna suddenly become like a. Yeah, it's not gonna be like a, it's not gonna be a fifty-fifty thing. I think no, but if if you look at like so like Damian Lillard by comparison, a guy who I think Darius could like have some offensive similarities to in terms of how they get pull-ups and stuff. Darius, um. Dame was at 49% last year and like he's at 40 Dame has been at 42 40% or above every year of his career for like since he was like 27 and that's kind of there's some league changing at that time I mean mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't put it out of the question that Darius could get up to 50 but like I would say like 40 is like my minimum and let's say but let's say like 45% perhaps somewhere in the 40 to 45 range feels right to me I think 45 is a little too high just because I think there's ways Garland could be more impactful offensively, like in terms of just like we both noted during the media day takeaways that he did look a little bit bulkier, a little bit bigger compared to how he looked last season. Maybe he added some strength to his upper body so he can handle the physicality, get fouled more often without getting injured, and then use that contact to get to the free throw line and just get easy chip in shots that he, you know, at least if in terms of just shooting on the roster, I think he's Cleveland's best free throw shooter. But um, I, I think 40 would be like the absolute ceiling for me, right? I think it's like somewhere in like in the upper 30s and there could be moments it flirts with like 40, 41%. But like 45, that's um, that's a 12% shot diet change. Like that's a pretty big change in just one year. It could trend towards that. But I, I just think with that twelve percent swing might be a little much. So I, I feel more comfortable taking like the forty percent range, or maybe even forty-one at like the absolute ceiling. I just that percentage dip is just like not that considering like how many shots take. It's like it wouldn't take that far to get him. Like it, it's not going to be fair. that much to really like dial it up. So that's where I would go. With that all right. Next stat per NBA.com. 15.5% of Darius's shots were catch and shoot threes last year versus 20.6% on pull-ups. I would guess, Evan, that he still leans more towards pull-ups this year, but I wonder mm-hmm. if this split gets a little bit closer and if both and I, I would also expect both numbers as just based on his three-pointers going up. I think both of these shot numbers just as themselves will go up. I and I just I wonder if both go up and I wonder if the gap is is more like 3% or 2% and it's more balanced instead of like a 5% which isn't that big 
but if it's just a little closer based on him just like I mean we saw that set first preseason game where they ran him where they ran they used Struess to get him, and he rips around a screen and Struess is feeding him on a country through to the corner like that kind of stuff was just not something he saw last year so I, I just think that the gap there is going to shrink a little bit I do too when you first shared those numbers I was just like that's not a massive gulf between the two but I then you just put the words in my mouth like I see a reality where those numbers get closer to each other and like you said the gap between the two narrows and again interested to see how he feels playing off ball I think he's fairly comfortable doing it uh, based on just like his time with like either Colin Sexton or especially Donovan Mitchell as of last year but it's gonna be a bit of a work in progress just because the Cavs are implementing a relatively different offensive system compared to what they did last year and are there gonna be moments where this younger team who is trying to learn things and grow up on the fly uh, falls back on bad habits or maybe relies on things that worked for them in the past yeah I think that's a possibility but I would be interested to see like what are these numbers 20 30 35 games or even the midway point like 41 clean like what are these numbers looking like because that that could be a little bit more indicative of this new offensive system JB Bickerstaff's trying to implement because if your stars are taking more catch and shoot threes that's a product of playmaking and passing within your system versus like a pull-up which you know is fine because Garland has the range to do that but it'll be interesting to see just how those numbers look through the season because then you can say like yeah this this offensive system is definitely working because one of the star players and one of the best shooters on the team is feasting off of it last number guards this is from dunks and threes which is like a I, very i read this in advance stat. and it's a crazy stat so here are the guards that pro- that created more estimated wins last year than darius garland who had 12.2 to it was it worth an estimated 12.2 um wins which is that's a lot of wins. Um, and one of these guys, I'm just going to check here to make sure I, I'm not missing something, is actually the same as Darius Garland. So I'll tell you that name because I miswrote this and I knew I did in my head. Luca, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, and then tied with Darius Garland and expected wins at 12.2. Stephen Curry. He, this puts, a, this puts some elite company this right there. This puts Darius ahead of James Harden. Drew Holiday, Fred Van Vliet, Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, Spencer Didwitty, Darren Fox, John Morant, and Jalen Brunson, among others at the point guard spot. This is not to say, vis-a-vis this one stat, that Darius is like absolutely better than all the guys he's ahead, and he's like at this elite, elite level amongst, like up with Steph, right? So he mm-hmm. played more games than Steph last year. He played 13 fewer games than Steph. Like that matters in some of this, right? Like the mm-hmm. calculations, like he, he played... 69 games nice like that's good <laughs> you caught it he, this is just a, uh, to say that like what Darius does I think rates out is very valuable and he's really good and sometimes I just wonder if like he's like maybe not talked about as enough even, just for whatever reason but I, I think he's just really really good and this is a good way just to say exemplify that at one number I mean, you can already make the argument he's the best point guard in the Eastern Conference just from a pure like, contribution standpoint. Like, sure, Jalen Brunson got the Cavs number last year, and people will point to that. And then, like, Trey Young just puts up insane numbers some nights. And then, like, the, but like the, that's more of a compliment to the Eastern Conference and the NBA in general being so talented at just every position. But if you're looking from like a pure analytical standpoint, just like, you know, the old eye test, like it doesn't surprise me that Garland has such a major contribution to winning for the Cavs just because he, what he does 
give Cleveland, like we talked about it in the first segment, is really underrated in terms of just like that playmaking and passing. Like, golly, like the best example of it is that the Cavs were able to survive when Garland had that eye injury or just like freak injuries throughout last season because Donovan Mitchell is just a nuclear level offensive threat. But like, when do you think about the year before Mitchell, when there's no Sexton, there's no Rubio, and Garland was dealing with back, back issues, the offense completely falls apart because they were so heliocentric to Garland and what he did. And obviously getting Mitchell and adding some of these other players that made Garland's life a lot better and quite literally like took the weight off of his back so it wasn't hurting as bad. Um, but it does crystallize like, yeah, he is an elite player in a lot of aspects. And I like you said, like a lot of people maybe don't talk to him just because or talk about him rather, just because, you know, Donovan Mitchell is like the, the the casual mainstay attraction for this Cavs team. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, it, this year is going to be an interesting year. Like, is this like a bit of his coming out party after having a really good coming out party in year three? Like, is this like the next level up where we see, okay, instead of just like all-star Darius Garland, like this is legitimately like one of the best players at his position in the NBA, Darius Garland. All right, coming up next, we'll make some best case, worst case, including is best case Darius Garland getting another all-star appearance and maybe flirting with LNBA? I would say yes. We'll talk about that up next. Today's episode is brought to you by better help. Look, therapy is, can be a really helpful tool for people. I know it's helpful for me. It's been uh, something I've been doing every other week for the last several months and it's been essential for me. Um, whether or not you've been in therapy yet, BetterHelp can be a great way to give it a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Again, it can be something where it can help you unlock yourself, figure out what's holding you back, work through what is bothering you, deal with your anxiety. It can be a really, really useful tool. So make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedInNBA. All right, best case, worst case for Darius Garland. We're going to do these uh, for as a last segment for a big full episode player previews. And later this week when we do guys like Dean Wade, George Nian, Isaac Okoro, some of the fringe roster guys, or fringe rotation guys, let's say, or, or non-star players, we'll do this as their season preview. So Karis LeVert, for instance, we'll do as a best case, worst case. But to cap off Darius's preview, Evan, what is your best case scenario for one Darius Garland year five? I like I've stressed does he emerge as the number one threat and does he become the guy that supersedes Donovan Mitchell in the offensive hierarchy so like your number one option is Garland two is Mitchell three is maybe Mobley who's nippy Mitchell the heels for two then obviously Allen Struess etc after that like it's more so the flow of the offense at that point but for me it's that um, obviously all-star consideration it's always going to be tough just because he does share a conference um, with a lot of talented players across the board and obviously like things can shift and change but all-star doesn't really crystallize your overall success during a season. But for me, I think it's just, he leads the Cavs to the Eastern conference finals. Like we, I talked about this on the locked on 
NBA preview, like the, the, the best course of action for Cleveland is either to like fight as hard as you can during the regular season to get the first seed and avoid Boston, Milwaukee for as long as possible. And I think Garland, if he does level up that way, like that is a way for the Cavs to be the number one team record wise in the Eastern Conference. And then they have an easier path to the Eastern Finals. And I think Garland is going to be the one who spearheads it. So I think for me, like that is where I'd crystallize success in terms of like best case scenario and also just relatively no freak injuries, uh, good health. I think that's a big thing too with Garland as well. And for any player really, but like Garland, especially, um, and like that just all kind of just amalgamates together and snowballs into the playoffs where it just carries a ton of momentum and the Cavs kind of just make a statement saying like, okay, last season one is in a fluke. We aren't like the Atlanta Hawks. We're like, we're nothing or the Peyton Manning Colts. We're like, it's something but regular season success. And we flame out in the playoffs. We can actually do some stuff. And it's because of our young uh, superstar point guard. Yeah. I think for me, it's all-star appearance and all NBA level season. And he feels like the guy that stirs everything for the Cavs. And I think as it will be the case for everyone, that he's just better than he was in the playoffs last year, that that was like a learning experience. You take the punch and then you move on and you get better from it. I think that should be expectation for Garland. If we're going to talk so highly of him and be so positive about him, I think that has to be an expectation. But I think an all-star appearance and, you know, not maybe a lock to be all NBA. It's really competitive, especially with the no positions. But Mm -hmm. someone that I think should, if he has the best season he can, could be in the discussion to be on an all NBA team this year. All right, worst case. I just think it, this is pretty simple, Evan. It's the scoring leap doesn't come as we think it could, and he just kind of stays as he was last year. This is still a really good player, to be clear. If Darius Garland is just what he was last year with Donovan Mitchell, and that like this is just what he kind of is, that's still a really, really good player. It's like a fringe all-star level guy. But I don't think that last season, that per level of play, would exemplify the, the promise and potential I think this guy still has to untap. I agree with you. I think if we see this season with expectations heightened, especially just with comparatively like Donovan Mitchell's long-term trajectory versus Garland's, it's just a player in terms of their careers and everything. Um, but I think for me, like if it crystallizes, it becomes clear, like, yeah, he could be a dude who flirts with all-star appearances, but like he is really like, I don't want to say a complimentary guy, but like, he fills that vein of like the Drew Holidays of the world or guys are like that's just that level. Like we're like, yeah, they can be a difference maker for a team, especially in certain situations or in certain matchups or just anything in between. But they're not the superstar that can put the team on their back and quite literally carry them when they need to. And like we've seen Garland do it at times, but now with expectations so high and everything kind of clicking, like I think that's going to be it. And for me, in terms of just like worst case scenario, it's like obviously injuries because last year was a lot of freak injuries, whether it was the eye stuff or just like random aches and pains or like the back problems two years before that as well. But more than that, it's a combination of that and you don't see like him and Mitchell kind of like grow upon that success because something at least that the Cavs have a leg up on compared to like the Celtics who just got Drew or the Bucks who just got Dame and who knows what the Sixers are going to do if they train James Harden or not but like the, the the Heat are better too but um, at least the Cavs compared to like Boston and Milwaukee they have a year's worth of experience after getting their superstar player like the Cavs did with Donovan Mitchell so like they have that familiarity and continuity to kind of build upon that but if we don't see like growth from that pairing and Garland's kind of the one who is not showing the growth more than Mitchell that's your worst case scenario and you're just like oh shoot well 
this team can only go so far just because like they can't get past teams that are just, like absolutely loaded like Milwaukee. I mean, look, I think there's a chance like they m- might just like not be better than the Bucks or the Celtics anyway. I I understand. I agree. That's why I didn't say NBA Finals is like their ceiling. I think they're sealing the season if Garland does what I think he is capable of doing is a conference finals appearance. But then you run into Boston or Milwaukee with Milwaukee probably being the worst draw of the two. Um, And then you just grow upon that experience. And it's a much different tonal shift compared to getting spanked by the Knicks in five games in the first round last year. Yeah. If there's anything that ends like last year, then that's. Just oh, that's that's being, probably goes up, the goes worst. That's, just, that's that's worst case scenario for the like enti- not even just players. That's the entire team. If it goes up in smoke like last year, there will be holes. <clears throat> probably wholesale change at the top, and would not be surprised if Mitchell's just like ah, I'm good, and the Cavs end up trading him. Yeah, that's but that's that's we'll, we'll not go full doomsday until yeah. it uh, presents us in that sense. All right, that's going to be it for this day's episode. We'll be back tomorrow. We are going to do a one segment recap of the Cavs preseason game it's a it's just not a game that i at base level of talent is going to be worth three full segments reality preseason against uh an israeli team that's like gonna be like competitive but like his cows will beat them and we're gonna talk to two season previews coming not, up not so fast my friend remember when the suns lost to an international squad and it was a huge upset I, crazier things have happened but I, I would not be. Squ- I, I will tattoo. I will not do that, actually. I can't. Yeah, say don't do that to yourself. It's For what it's worth, happen. Ben Simmons almost had a triple-double at halftime against the same Maccabi squad the Cavs were hosting hey, on he, Monday. He's looked good in the preseason. Oh, he's looked ben, great. But- I'm happy for Ben Simmons. Like I, Ben Simmons is a good player just because like, he scratches an itch for me in terms of just like players. Oh, if he's doing well, it's good with me. Yeah. So have that two-player previews. Let you guess who. Talk about that on tomorrow's show. Talk to you then. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always. Enjoy the hoops.